What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 63 of the Ball Don't Stop podcast. I'm joined here today by the the, the assassin, the sniper, mm-hmm. one of the coldest dudes of his generation when it came to getting a bucket, Ben Gordon. How you been, brother? I've been great, man. How you been? I've been good, man. The whole good. world's been good. wondering, where did Ben Gordon go? You know, what's up with Ben Gordon? Where's Ben Gordon at? I mean, I've just been chilling, man. You know, I'm spending time with my family, spending time in the gym. You know, I'm staying in shape and, you know, working with, you know, younger guys and just trying to pass on that knowledge that I have for the game. And, you know, I'm just enjoying life. When I think about guys that are hoopers, guys that are cold-blooded, it goes way beyond skill. It goes way beyond ability and talent. It goes in on a level of confidence and a level of of, um, Mm self-belief. And and it goes to a level of I don't give a fuck if you're an all-star. I don't give a fuck if you're a Hall of Famer. I'm Ben Gordon. I'm going to come on this floor. If KG's here, if Pierce is here, if Ray Allen is here, I'm going to go put out 40. I'm going to go play my game, and we're going to go win because of me. That's who you were. Right, right. And and talk. take me through that mindset and how that mindset helped you become who you were. I mean, well, first of all, that mindset starts and ends in the gym. You know, that starts with hours of training, you know, um, hours of preparing for these games and these moments and these people. And um, it's really like a relentless pursuit, you know. So um, something that helped me as a young player in the league and, you know, throughout my career was just always trying to get better, always trying to pick up things. Um, At that guard position, you had to be, you know, ready every night for a challenge. (laughs) Um, So... Just uh, being a competitor and, uh, you know, I think really putting in that work to have the confidence to be able to shine in moments where, you know, some players will hide, you know, so. A lot of folks don't, can't comprehend how much work goes into those moments. Right. You know, the nights where you're going nine for nine from three, um, the nights where you're, you know, shooting the lights out and and having 40-point games and all these things, those are built in the gym when no one's watching. Right, that's a, that's a fact, yeah. And, and, and how was your, your workout process like in your prime coming up and, and all these things in order to get to that level? Well, you, wake, I, you wake up every day. What was your process like? Well, for me, one thing I loved to do and I had a passion to do, um, you know, starting in high school was, you know, shooting the ball, you know, yeah. um, really trying to become a great shooter. Um, and challenging myself during my workouts, you know, um, not just saying, okay, let me make 10 and move to the next spot, but trying to put myself in game situations, trying to tra- train while fatigued, yeah. trying to train using plays that I would get in the game and really just watching like other great shooters and other great players and trying to mimic certain things that fit well into my game and my skill set. You were one of those guys that you had a well-rounded game. Um, mm-hmm. You could shoot the three ball, you could hit the mid-range, you could get to the rim when needed. You had a back-to-the-basket feel, you know, you could put your back to the basket, you could post right. guys up. Right. But one thing that I loved about your game, and, and it was the way you moved without the ball. Right. You kept going, you kept right. going, and you came off screen sharp, shoulder to shoulder, you know, footwork was on point. The moment you got it, it was a bucket, because guys were, it was so, it looked textbook, like you got, the moment you came off the screen, if you got an open look, it was a wrap. Right, shoot, right, right. Yeah. And at that position, you know, like me, I'm 6'2", 6'3", you know, I'm really like 6'2", but at that position in the league, you have to be decisive with everything you're doing. Yeah. You can't come off. I don't have the luxury to come off and like a T-Mac where, you know, or a KD or somebody like that where you can just raise up over anybody every time because of my height advantage and everything like that. So so little um, details. the the moment you catch the ball, you have to be ready to play. You got to be ready to 
um, make the shot or take the shot or make the next play. Right. So I, I used to pride myself of of always being ready in my triple threat stance as soon as I caught the ball or attack, pass, or, you know, shoot right away if need be. I think one of the things that, um, you know, people don't seem, people, people don't realize how situational the NBA is. Right. Right. The way a team can change and the way, you know, you know, it, there's so many guys that aren't in the league right now. There's so many guys that were in the league and their career went a certain way. But mm-hmm. that league is, is very, very situational. And I saw that when D-Rose came in in Chicago. Right. And you know how that changed for you, right? Right. You right. felt like you were right there in Chicago. You were a guy there that was helping them win. But D-Rose comes in, one of the most explosive point guards we've ever seen, and they had ever. to go a different direction, right? Right. Take right. me through that. Take me through that process and, and how things played out in Chicago because that's where people really remember you. Yeah, um, the situation with D. Rose was, first of all, I thought we played great together. We I only thought played, so, too. We only played one year together, and yeah. I thought our styles of play really complemented each other. I thought our demeanors and the way we approached the game was comparable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we weren't guys to score and celebrate a whole lot. We were guys that were thinking about the next play, trying to make winning plays. Yeah. And early on in his career, he came in and... I remember, you know, my first four or five years in the league, my first four years in the league, at the end of games, I always knew I was getting, was going to have the ball. So I think that's where, um, you know, him developing as a closer, I may have had, you know, like, I may have slowed that process down a little bit. It probably felt like you were disrupting it, right? No, not really, because he was playing on the ball and I was playing off the ball. But, you know, you, you look at the teams that, you look at the, way they were situated after I left and they never had that person where he could penetrate and kick to consistently that could either hit that shot in transition or in a set offense or kind of create for him. They had guys that come in, but they had nobody consistently that That's what I mean. And that's what happened in like 2011. I remember when the Heat, they ran into the Heat, they didn't have that second guy that could go get you a bucket. Right. Uh, And I was like, wow, like they really miss Ben Gordon right now. Right. And the fact that Ben, you had to guard Ben because you had to Number one, A, worry about him hitting open shots, so that frees him up. And two, you could just go get a bucket whenever you really wanted At to. At that point in my career, I wasn't an all-star, but I was right on the fringe of maybe, you know, a couple seasons of, yeah. you know, of being one. Yeah. And so if you think about it, they really could have gotten me for, you know, if, if, they, if, they had to, if they were to bring somebody in to replace what I was doing, they would have had to find an all-star caliber yeah. player because – no one else was doing what I was doing that wasn't an all-star at the time. That's so true. And that so is- that's what I think some of the workload, um, not that D-Rose wasn't ready to handle it, he was more than prepared to oh, handle yeah. the workload, oh, but yeah. at times if the team was structured a little bit differently, maybe he wouldn't have had to do so much. Right. Or, you know, like they could, mix, it- they could be a little bit more unpredictable. Right. And, um, you know, one of the things that I always wanted to ask you, like, Going up against, you played in probably, man, you might have played in the most star-studded, talent-wise era the game has seen when you're talking about the names that you went up against. Right. The Kobe Bryants, the Tracy McGrady's, the Dwayne Wade's, LeBron James, Al Niverson. You know, the list goes on and on. Who's the best guy you ever went up against or when you were on a basketball court you felt like, wow, like this guy is really the best player in the world? Um... I mean, you know, when, whenever you played against someone like Kobe or, you know, LeBron, yeah. you know, guys like that, 
I wasn't guarding those guys. Right, but a lot. you still felt their presence. So on the you, floor. you know, they just had an aura about them that was just like, wow, these, you know, these players are really like athletically gifted and just IQ is so high that yeah. that combination is rare. But for someone like myself, who I had to guard a lot, um, like Dwayne Wade was really tough. Yeah. Because he was like six four. Yeah. But he played like he was like six eight or six nine. He didn't play his size. He played yeah. like way bigger than what he really was. And he like had, he had a post game. He could yeah, rise every, up. yeah. He had a post game. He was yeah. you know a strong guard like. Yeah. And we played them a lot, you know, because they were in the East. And, yeah. You know, so we saw them a lot. So he was always like one of the toughest guys to. to if we go back to, to that Boston against. series in 08. 08, right? Yeah, you were going off that series. 09, 09. Yeah, 09, my bad, 09. 09. When D. Rose was in his rookie year. Right. And you coming off screens and you – I think that might have been the best series I've seen in, in, in my lifetime. I heard a lot of people say that. Yeah. And it was funny, like, playing in that series, I remember, like, games being televised that same night because they were so – like, they had that much of an impact. Yeah. And, like people were saying during the series, like, "Wow, this is one of the best series I've ever seen. It's not real. the best, like, first round series, yeah. like, multiple overtime games, like." And you were a big reason for crazy. that, though, because a, you were hitting every shot needed when needed when it needed to be hit, right. and b, I mean, you were giving a Celtics tough, tough, tough Celtics team buckets, mm-hmm. a tough defensive minded team that right. Tom Thibodeau was a defensive coach at the time. Right. Um, Doc was a head coach. Like, you were giving those guys fits, and it didn't matter Pierce. It didn't matter it was um, Ray. I think KG was hurt that year. KG was injured during that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. KG was hurt. He was talking shit to you on the sides. Mad shit. Mad shit, man. Just take me through those shots you were hitting. Just take me through the intensity of the moment of those shots that you were hitting and the the importance of those moments and, and how you felt as a player in those moments. I mean, the playoffs are the best, the best moments of your career, you know, um, like, I feel for guys sometimes that only get to play in the regular season and they never get a chance to experience, like, playoff basketball because then your levels of your game are really tested and you can really, really see, like, what you're good at and, like, your weaknesses become glaring. Right. So, um, I mean, in that series, I just remember, like, you know, sometimes, most times you, you play against a guy and he'll make a shot and then you'll make a shot, but, it's you know, it's never really back and forth that much. In that series... It was like everybody in the the gym knew that I was going to get the basketball. Everybody knew Ray was going to get the basketball. And it showed, like, our level of focus and our level of preparation to make some of these shots that we were making. And you got to remember, too, in the playoffs, like, everybody's not 100% around that time of year. So, like, at that time, I was playing with a hamstring injury. Yeah. I'm sure other guys had injuries. So, it's like... People are beat up. Everything is just really at a whole nother level. And you have to really do a job of, like, blocking out the outside noise and... You know, just making sure you're locked in. And those crowds were loud, too, in Chicago, in the United Center, in the mm-hmm. TD Garden. Right. And, um, you know, I think that's where I found out how cold Ben Gordon was, though, to block out that moment. You and Ray just went at it. I mean, not at it one-on-one, but on at it on the fact that you exchanged bucket after bucket. Right, you know? bucket so after bucket. that shit was fun to watch. Um, what you up to nowadays? Do you feel like you could still play in today's league? Because now you see it the way it's opened up. Um, the way guys are able to, you know, there's so much of an emphasis on shooting the basketball, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and being a threat from the perimeter. What do you what do you think? I think I could still play in today's league, you know, um, but the game is getting younger. Yeah. Like you said before, you see guys that there's plenty of veteran free agents right now that can help a team. And, 
um, like produce, yeah. but also like help younger guys speed up that process. But that NBA is not really, um, you know, it seems like the league is getting younger and younger and the turnover is faster and faster. So right. when I came to the league, there was a lot of guys where we had vets that were like 36, 37, 38. You know, some guys that were 39, you know, yeah. older guys that were fundamental roles on our team and would help us. They wouldn't play huge minutes. Right. But they were able to help. So, like, the way the way the game the way the way game is played today, you know, obviously a lot of shooting, um, a lot of quick um, quick plays. I can still play in this game, but, you know, I also understand the direction of the game. You know, I understand the things like guys like Carmelo Anthony are going through, um, you know, guys like J.R. Smith. Who, yeah. You know, like these guys are astute, who can still contribute in some type of way, but, you know, the, the league is always looking at the next best thing or, you know, how can we bring these guys along and develop them? For the next 10 as years. As opposed to, yeah, yeah, investing in someone who's older. When you see a guy like Melo, and you know Melo from his Melo, Melo, Melo years. Yeah. yeah. Probably, probably a top five scorer right. ever. Right. One of the most lethal offensive forces the game has seen. Right. Number one, just take me through how good this guy was at his peak. And number two, what do you think about him right now and, and how he's being treated as a, as a megastar and a Hall of Fame player in this sport? I mean, I played against Melo since I was in college yeah. and seeing him at Syracuse. And he was always a guy who could score from every, you know, every le level. He could score from the three, he could yeah. score from the mid-range yeah. and at the basket. And um, there's not many players like him, you know. Um, and his game is so, so polished and he's so skilled. And he can always find an advantage on the defender. Right. That, you know, I've always seen that as like his gift and his curse, you know, because like now you see it and people think that because he was so dominant, people think that he can't play at a, you know, with less volume, but he can. You yeah. know, it's just. People are, talking, people are taking it for granted, though. Yeah, that people are taking him for granted. And you know how the league is. It's like once people kind of develop yeah. a certain rap on you, they try to pigeonhole you. And that kind of happened with you. Um, it kind of, yeah, it happens to everybody, yeah. you know. It happens to everybody. Some people are on a bigger scale and some people are on a smaller scale. But very rarely, like, as a pro athlete, you never know when your time is going to end. You right. Know, like, and especially if you feel good and you can play and you can compete and, and you can help, it's like you expect that. You expect to exhaust everything and then you're like, all right, I'm done. I can't play anymore. I, I get it. You know, but, like, Melo is still... You know, like most people, most people, you know, would would think he's still better than half, you know, the guys in the league. And um, although he wasn't always a specialist, like if you tell Melo, yo, Melo, just shoot all threes, he's he, he can, lock he can do that at a high he clip. Lock, absolutely. But he has more to offer than that. Way so more. It's like, Way more. I think he, I think he'll. I'm hopeful that he'll find a team and you know be able to go out on his own terms. But at the same time, even if Melo doesn't play again, like. He still had a great career, you know, like I heard, you know, I, I read some comments with Joe Johnson, you know, saying he didn't like how things ended for him, you know, towards the end of his career. Right. And like he's a guy who could still play. So it's yeah. just like you don't forget how to produce and that's, make shots. And that skill don't leave you just like and that. that experiences. Yeah. I mean, that's the most valuable thing is the experience. Like, let's be serious here, you know, but it's. There's 400 and something spots in the league. You know, the pool is so large to pick from, and it always seems like, you know, the grass is always green on the other side, but... There's a very few group of those guys that you just named. Right, man. It's not, it's not many of those guys, no. right, you know, so... And I think, I think, you know, the direction 
the league is going is obviously younger and all these things, but you need those guys that just know how to hoop and get you a bucket when it's time, like you were in the these playoffs. These guys are like, they never go out of style. Like, they, they get better with time. It's like, listening to, it's like listening to, like, the rap game now, right? And then every time you hear, like, a verse from, like, Jay-Z or Nas, you always like, yeah, like, that's what I want. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's timeless. And someone like Melo, I feel like his game is just like if you not if you don't see him out there, and he it's not ending on his terms, just like that you know it's That's like wrong. the game kind of misses him, you know? Yeah. Because his shit is pure. Right. And the way like Dwayne went out, you know, he was able to go out on his yeah. own terms yeah. and still give you some great performances, show that he could still play if he wanted to. Right. But like I wish Melo would get that opportunity to where he feels like he can exhaust, you know, all you know whatever he has left in the tank, and then you know, be satisfied. So uh, with yourself, you know, you, you feel like you still could play. Are you working out every day? Are you? Yeah, I work out every day. I play, you know, I go up to the gym and I do court work and strength and conditioning stuff like five days a week. Nice. And um, I mix it up with some of the younger guys that are up at the gym and, you know, just try to stay sharp and um, in and, and shape and ready to, to perform at a high level. Um, so I'm definitely ready and capable. Um, but I'm also realistic too, you know. Yeah. So, this is basketball is something I love and I enjoy. So, whether I'm playing it at a high level in the NBA or teaching it to somebody else or not, this is a, that's just a part of me. You right. Know what I'm saying like, and that that comes back to just being a real hooper. <laughs> right. I'm just a, just a hooper, dog. Like, you know, like people like to see if they can outshoot me. So, yeah. Go in the gym, get shots up, stay sharp, and just be who I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you, you ever um consider going overseas or something like that i've considered it you know um but it's just something you don't need to do right but like at this stage in my career i don't need to do it um it has to be more than just about basketball at this stage because i have my family and things like that so um you know but when you play in the league and you get comfortable to the lifestyle and everything like that and you you don't you're not away from your family you know for a certain amount of months and have to come back yeah that's also something that's a luxury too, you know. Um, so I applaud the guys that stay on that grind and play overseas. Um, you know, I was born in London, so yeah. like I'm comfortable overseas and traveling there and everything and the, the culture and lifestyle in different countries in Europe and different places around the world. But um, I don't know, like I just keep my options open. I'm not, you know, I'm staying in shape, so I'm ready to play. So it's just a matter of the right opportunity, the right situation. But obviously, like, playing in the league, you know, um, everybody always wants to play in the league. You know, right. it's, it's the best league in the world. Right. Um, you know, and... Uh, but there's only 450 spots. It's, only, it's not that many spots. Uh, so yeah. while you're in there, when you get your opportunity, you have to, you know, make your mark and yeah. appreciate your time. Because yeah. it's going to end for it ends for everybody at yeah. some point in time. You, know, you, know, you never know how it's going to end. And I think... I think that's the thing, like the way you guys, people see you guys get paid. But it's like, yo, I only might be doing this for six, seven, eight, eight years. Right. And for a lot of guys, that's a struggle after basketball, right? Like, what do I do now? You have all this money, and then you wonder why guys struggle with it. Right. It comes back to, you know, shit, I only, I only had a six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year career, right? Yeah, so I always think, like, guys should, you know, take their time first. Yeah. And figure out what you're really passionate about. Because if you apply the same work ethic and energy and the grind that you did to basketball to you know pretty much anything else you're only going to improve and get better right you know and i think doing things that you're passionate about like for me like i, I know i always 
you know, be around the gym or, yeah. you know, um, helping younger players, um, you know, and, and kind of making a system out of that. And if I want to make a living out of that, it's not hard to, but, yeah. you know, right now I can still play. Um, you know, so I you're just, locked in mentally on playing the game again if needed, if you want? That's what I'm preparing myself for. When I go in the gym, like, you have to work out at a high level or you're just going to bullshit, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to reach your – you're not going to mm-hmm. – hit levels and see, you know, and see improvements and things like that. So for me, I'm always, when I'm in the gym, my mind is always on preparing for the season and being in that mode. And, you know, I'm not just doing things half-assed because it doesn't really feel the same. It doesn't feel good. You know, so. One of the guys that, um, you know, one of, one, of, one of the things that I noticed with you coming up is you were a laid-back guy. You weren't, and you came up in the non-social media era, obviously. Right. You know, and, and even when you were in the league, social media hadn't, blown up the way it is now mm-hmm. you know you were laid back and and guys like monte ellis guys like oj mayo you know guys like that that were really good at basketball and just really went that went out there the only time you really heard or saw of them was when they were on the court right right and, and you know those guys i feel like they're in a similar position to you when i speak around guys that are around them you know in terms of they can still play they can go hoop right but they're not going to go force their way into the scene and try to make it happen if it happens right, it happens right right, right. Yeah, you know, um, some people just like to let things happen organically. And, like, mm-hmm. that's not something you can force anyway. Yeah, yeah you can, yeah. You you can't can force go your way and you league. can, you know, be in the right places and talk to the right people. But if you don't have something to offer that they want at the time, they're not going to do you a favor, especially at this particular point in your career. Right. Unless you have, like, some really good relationships. And sometimes that happens. Like, guys will get a look here and there that you like, you kind of like, wow. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, if my if I'm I'm content with some of the things I've done in my career, you know, um, we always want to keep playing. But um, you just got to be a realist, like, you know, like you got to be realistic. Right. And there there are a lot of opportunities out there. But, you know, some guys who play in the league, sometimes they look at playing overseas as a demotion. Right. But I'm not one of those guys. But it's just like you can't. Just do it just to do it if you're not really fully into it. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not going to be committed because it's going to show. Right. Um, when you when you talk about guys in today's league, you know, that you see playing, who do you like watching? Whose games do you like? Man, there's so fan. many. There's so many talented guys, man. Like, I love watching um, Kemba Walker. Yeah. Um, I love watching James Harden. Yeah. I love watching Dame Lillard. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, I... I Obviously, Steph and yeah. Clay and those guys like that. Who do you think the best player in the league right now, in your opinion? Well, I thought it was KD last season. But he got you know, hurt. And then he got hurt. Yeah. Um, but he's kind of like a cheat code because it's like <laughs> what do it's you just do? so it's so hard to to stop him. Yeah. But then, like when you look at when you really look sit back and look what Kawhi did, like. Yeah. I think he got it right now. Yeah. You know, like especially since KD is out for next yeah, yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I and think the way right he did now, shit. I think the way that the way that Kawhi went about his business, mm-hmm. especially everything he was up against yeah. the year before, where people was like, ah, oh, he's he don't want to play. He really yeah. was injured, you know. But he right. came out and responded. That I mean, 
at such a high level, you yeah. can see, like, I, the thing I admire about him is the focus. Because you know? right. it takes a lot to be that good and never get distracted from your own greatness. In like, today's era, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything's talk, everyone's talking about you, the whole the game. The thing I like about him is he, it's like, he get a bucket. It's like, yeah, I did that before. I'm going to do it again. So I'm yeah, not yeah. even going to get excited about this yeah. one. You know, That's like, true. Um, you know, I think having you here has been great on the fact that you really love, like, basketball's engraved in you. Right. And that's pretty much what our platform is about. It's about deep basketball conversations, talking about the purity of the game, you know. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about guys that are pure hoopers that were never, you know, at that all-star level, then they never right. got that name of the all-star name next to the thing. I look at guys like yourself, guys mm-hmm. like Jamal Crawford, guys like, you know, like a Monte Ellis, like, a, right. like a, again, a, a Brandon Jennings, guys like that that could – it doesn't matter who was in the on the court, a Kobe, right. a LeBron. You guys could steal the show right. on any given night. Right. Does that just come back to having a chip on your shoulder and trying to prove yourself, or does that just come back to being underrated and people not really recognizing how great you are and you just playing your game? Well, I think with the thing, the players that you just named, they all had like this clutch type of gene. They were hoopers. Type of thing, right? Yeah, they were hoopers, but like. In clutch situations, they didn't back down. Yeah. Like Brandon Jennings, like he was someone who he might not shoot a great percentage throughout the game, but you had to worry about him because he wasn't scared to shoot the ball and yeah. he could hit tough shots and big shots. Yeah. Um, guys like Kimba Walker. Yeah. I mean, he grinded his way to where he's at now, and he early you coming a little into bit. yeah, early coming to league, he didn't shoot a high percentage, but he always had heart and grit. Yeah. And, um, like, that's something that you just can't teach. Like, some players have, you know what I'm saying, like, they, like, thrive under pressure, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, like, something that everybody doesn't have. There's some superstar guys that don't have it. Yeah. But there's some guys that are not superstars that have it, if yeah. you know what I mean. I know exactly so. what you mean. And that's why my comes back to my point. I don't, I don't pay too much attention to field goal percentage and stats and shit. For me, it's more so the eye test. And just feeling test. and feeling the game. What do you what do you think about that? And, and the eye test and the way analytics and all that should have gone nowadays. I think the eye test is um, always the first thing. You yeah. know, like you could tell who's nice in the layup line. Like yeah. I could watch the layup line, and be like, oh, that motherfucker right there got some shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because just of just their, their whole like the way they approach the layup line and the shit they're working on. Yeah, and then like the pace at which they're working, you can kind of tell. Um, so the eye test is big. Um, but then I've seen guys like that where the shit don't quite translate into the game. <laughs> so it's like the eye test could be tricky sometimes. You have to be seasoned with the eye test. You can't just be throwing like, oh, yeah. Nah, 100%. it's not always like that. Motherfuckers, it's tricky these yeah, days. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like the analytics, you know, like it depends on what the analytics are on because like someone who's focused on efficiency, you can look at some of these stats and be like, okay, I need to work on this based on you know, I'm not shooting high enough percentage in the mid-range. I need to go back to the gym and work on that. Right. You know, like, that's how I used to use analytics. If I saw something was off yeah. and I looked at my overall scoring pie yeah. and I see, like, okay, where am I not scoring from as efficiently? Okay, my mid-range. Okay, let me work on my mid-range some more when I go back to the gym later. That's it. And then when I go in the game, whatever I was missing on the mid-range, you know, that, that would be improved. And, you know, I was already doing whatever I was doing from the three-point line or the free-throw line. So. There you go. That's, it's as simple as that. I don't but, think I don't, but, but what I don't agree with is, like, people 
creating a whole style of play based around analytics, no. meaning like, oh, we're only going to shoot yeah. these type of shots. No, nah, man, that's not hooping. Because you know what I started to see as the league went on? It took away, like, people, some of people's creativity. Absolutely. And it took away some, some of the fundamental things that you would just instinctively do, like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm a shot fake and yeah. then I'm going to be right here in between the defenders yeah, 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 yeah. and I'm, I'm wide open them. right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Now guys are like, oh, I got to get all the way to the rim or... That's don't what, shoot the don't shoot the two point shots like no like that's where analytics kind of fucks like nah up. like the mid range game is undefeated look at Kawhi you that's know what, what I'm saying, saying. Like, he that, was taking the best available looks every time yeah he wasn't forcing like the agenda of playing like I'm only gonna shoot nah. this type of shot every time he had the green light in Toronto and he did what he played basketball out of that right. and that's why you look at people say the mid range game is dead I totally disagree with it'll that it'll never die it'll never die it's never gonna die you can't run away from the mid range game you can't cheat the game you can't. There's no way you can cheat the game. And, and, and this is my thing for everyone that says, hey, Melo's Mello style is extinct. It does not no longer exist. If you look at Kawhi, that's clearly a guy that studied Carmelo and put that shit to use on the grandest stage in the sport in the NBA Finals game after game. Facts. You know, so Ben Gordon, man, thank you for joining us, bro. Oh, my um, pleasure, man. Anytime. You know, one of the, one of the, one of the unique talents and one of the real, real hu- genuine people in the league and an absolute sniper, bro. Next time Appreciate I see you, that, we, could, we should get on the court and just shoot. It's a I'm, court right there if you really wanted to go shoot. But <laughs> next time, you I'm not prepared. You're not prepared right I'm now. I'm not prepared. You're not prepared. But I'm always prepared, but I'm just going to say you're not prepared right now. I mean, we could do it. Next time we could get it, we get some shots. Let's up. do it. Let's do it, bro. Good shit. All right, man. Thank no you, doubt. bro. Appreciate, Appreciate you. you.